Episode of Field to the Real, and I am part of the uh, part of the host. <laughs> you did that last week. <laughs> you know, I, I messed this up all the time. <laughs> I am one half of the host, Jared Burgess. Excuse me, Jared, the football genius Burgess. I, I just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. <laughs> you just be Jared Burgess if that works for you, okay? <laughs> and I am Stephanie Wallace, aka the Advantage Coach. Yes. We have another episode for you guys. I said that already, but I was reaching down to pick up my phone so I could see what topics <laughs> <laughs> what topics we had for today. Um, so let's jump right into it. Okay. David Irving, mm-hmm. he decided to announce his retirement on Instagram. Okay. With a J in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he was lighting up. He was lighting up. Wow. <laughs> to protest uh, the NFL's rules on cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this has been, a, a, I guess, a big debate for Some a, number years. Years, a yeah. number of years. Yeah, I went back and looked. It's yeah. been like 2012 right. or 2013. Like, I had no idea. I don't think it was, it was like right when they, when they started legalizing to, they started it. Legalizing uh-huh. Marijuana. Yeah. Um, so today I kind of wanted to talk about that okay um and so his issue is cannabinoids versus opioids right and so our who's really right for the day is what side of this argument are you on so i have mixed feelings about this issue um because i see both sides okay um and i also see Firsthand, I've seen what both do, right. kind of to people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I I, um, I see the positives and negatives. But for right. the sake of what we're talking about today, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> I'm going to be more analytical, which is my nature, uh-huh. um, and go with what the NFL, what Roger Goodell came out and said was <laughs> <laughs> that the NFL is just going to go with what the scientists say. And so he's not ruling out cannabinoid as an option. Mm-hmm. He's saying when scientists say, yay, about, uh, that this is uh, a legitimate or an actual or better option for athletes in pain, then he'll go with that for them. But as okay. of right now, he's going with the fact that they're saying there are more like detrimental negative effects of the cannabinoid than there are of the opioid. And let me just preface it by saying, because their thought is if you're taking it as prescribed, mm-hmm. then you're not the addictive nature of it doesn't take effect. Okay. And so, um, for that reason, I'm going to be on the side of the opioid. Now, I also have to put the disclaimer out there that I understand <laughs> that we are in an opioid crisis in this country. Yep. 90 people die a day Sheesh. 
from opioid addiction. I didn't know that. Wow. Yes. 90 Americans die a day from opioid addiction. I get it. Y'all don't have to. Don't send me nothing. I get it. <laughs> but. Tear up on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that if the the prescription is being taken as prescribed then there may there should be less likelihood of becoming addicted now i've never had to take an opioid so i'm not sure of how effective it is right at helping the pain at some point and i know you could probably speak more to that as being that you were an athlete yeah so i'm on the side today uh-huh of the opioids. Okay. Taken correctly. <laughs> Let me just preface it. Taken correctly. Okay. So I so before I share my personal story um with opioids, I wanna talk a little bit about um one, Roger Goodell uh-huh. and his science. Because <laughs> <laughs> um according to his science and the yeah. NFL science, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as CTE. Well, this is true. And so, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I, give you I, that. I, I won't discredit, you know, any independent mm-hmm. science that comes out about uh, cannabinoids, but Roger Goodell has absolutely no credibility in. Well, let me let me bring that back. <laughs> I, well, I can say that I, I would say he has no credibility in a lot of the statements that he's made over the last few years. Okay. Be, be, and, and I won't even get into some of the things that he's come out and said that were proven wrong. Oh, no, yeah, he's just like his partner, Trump. <laughs> all, <laughs> look, all, all alternative facts. Okay, right. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just, it's hard for me to, to believe any study that he quotes that's not independent. Yeah. Uh, because for a long time, you know, they tried to get that, that doctor who discovered CTE out of here. Oh, yeah. And they tried yeah, to yeah. get his science out of here. Now we yeah. know. Yeah. Um, the movie just made all y'all look bad. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so um, to share a little bit about my story, in 2008, uh, I had microfracture surgery. And for any athlete out here who's had microfracture surgery, I know that you understand that. It is super painful. I was on crutches for 16 weeks. That's yes. a long time. I was like, man, listen, y'all could have gave me a wheelchair. Right. <laughs> Scooter or something. Right, with right. a little thing you ride around right. on. Some, like... Lord, you know what? And I see people with those yeah. now, and I get so upset. <laughs> those things weren't invented. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Right, there you go. All right. I'm like, wow, so y'all got a scooter for Right. So I was on crutches for 16 weeks, and I used to be in excruciating pain. Mm. And so I was given opioids. I was given mm-hmm. hydrocodone and I was given 800 milligrams. Mm-hmm. Now, initially, the doctor told me that one should be enough. Mm-hmm. said, but don't go past two. Uh, so <clears throat> over over a few weeks, I was taking one at a time. Mm-hmm. And it was helping the pain. Mm-hmm. After a certain point, one didn't help anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I got the buffer of two. Yeah, Let me take two. Yeah, Started taking two. After another few weeks, two wasn't helping anymore. Mm. Now, I could have gone back to the doctor at that point, you know, and told him that, you know, something wasn't working. working. You know, this pain is unbearable. 
Um, but I thought to myself, well, three wouldn't be so bad. Yikes. But when you're in that type of pain, yeah. you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, I just need this to stop. Oh, I understand. You know, this this has to stop. So <laughs> I do understand. I, I got to the point where I was taking four. Mm, wow. That's Jared. Ooh, that, that's, that's 36. Scary. Is that that? Wait, hold on. I don't know. That's 3,200 milligrams okay. of hydrocodone. And I'm sure people out here who have experienced taking painkillers like that understand that that's a lot of drugs. That's all. <clears throat> Listen, I'm scared to take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. <laughs> I just, you know, I just had a rotator cuff right, issue. Right. And I was like, God, I got to take this. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, my shoulder. But, oh Lord. Yeah. So, uh, so 3,200, I can't even. 3,200. I can't imagine. 3,200 on top of that. And this is this is maybe my very very close friends who who know who I've shared this with um, know about this story, but not not many people heard me talk about this story. Yeah, well, kudos um, to you for being transparent. Right yeah, now. yeah. I, I mean, opioid addiction is real, and I, I won't go as far as to say I was addicted because I didn't have to go to like a facility <laughs> to kick it or anything like All that. Right. It, it really was one of my friends who was just like, "Listen, like you, you got to stop this." Yeah. And, and honestly, it's a thing you feel bad about because it's like, I need the pain to stop. Yeah. This hurt, like, you this hurt, hurts. Yeah. But uh, you're ashamed of it because you're like, I know I'm not supposed to be taking this amount. Yeah. And so yeah. you hide it from people. It's addiction. It's it addiction. is addiction. Yeah, well, so, yeah, it's, it's it addiction. It is addiction. Yeah. And so um, once uh, uh, my boy found out about it, uh, shout out to him, he was like, yo, I know you in pain, but like you can't. That's you, right. You could die from this. Yes. And I'm like, I know. I know. I'm not. Not that I know that I could die from this, but I'm like, I just need the pain to stop. Yeah. You know. And so, thankfully, uh, wow. After, after I got off the crutches, I stopped taking them cold turkey. I kind of had to deal with the pain. Mm. Um. And. I was able to kind of move forward with them. But the next time I got prescribed opioids, I was reluctant to take yeah. them. But it's one of those things that the pain is that bad. Wow. You know, I had another surgery. That was 2008. I had another surgery maybe a few years after that. Mm -hmm. And I was prescribed hydrocodone again. And I talked to my doctor about it. And I was like, look, man, this ain't, <laughs> right. this ain't for me. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was like, you know, I, I get it. You know, we can offer you some alternatives. Mm hmm um, did they? No. <laughs> they didn't offer me any alternatives. Well, I ended up getting prescribed. Talking out the side of your neck. Oxycodone. Yeah. Oh, this God. One. That's worse, yeah. isn't it? Okay. But I didn't know that at the time. Oh, I know. <laughs> I've, I've been around somebody on that, and they were loopy like yeah. I don't know what. Like, wow. Okay. Um, That time, though, I was I was living with my girlfriend at the time. Uh-huh. And she probably didn't realize that she was holding me accountable. Mm -hmm. But she was. Yeah. And I, I didn't. Uh, it wasn't easy to hide use. it. It wasn't. Yeah. I it wasn't easy to hide it with her right yeah, there. Like, nah, oh, wait, this like, whole nah, bottle gone. You want to take. <laughs> right. You, this, right. This, one. This prescribed. Right. You take that. <laughs> That's me. I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she's at, she's in healthcare. So oh, like, yeah. She, no. She was she like, wasn't uh -uh. going for the. She wasn't going for it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but that's why it's so personal to me. So as you can tell, I'm on the cannabinoid side. Yeah, I've never heard someone overdose on <laughs> marijuana. No, I've seen someone. I've seen people abuse it. I was gonna say it's addictive. <laughs> Clearly, I ride down the street all the time, and I smell out of people's cars. Oh, yeah. Just I'm like, is everybody smoking marijuana now? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is going on? But anyway, go ahead. Right. So, well, and, and the, I guess the important thing to, to say with that is that cannabinoids doesn't necessarily mean smoking Absolutely. marijuana. Yes, let's please put that out so there. So, we, we, we need athletes to understand that. It doesn't mean that. Cause because your boy I'm had poor, a joint. Yeah. You see. Right. Yeah. yeah he, he, he had a joint in his. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and mm. while I'm, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying anything against that, anything against smoking weed or anything like that. But I want football players to understand that um, smoking weed isn't the only cannabinoid. No. No, you have CBD oils um, that folks rub on them, and um, they have those properties. Right, the THC. Basically, it's just the THC that you really, yeah. Um, So I'm on that side, and I think that it can be figured out. I think that the NFL could possibly be in bed with some of the The pharmaceutical uh, pharmaceutical companies. And so until this whole cannabinoid Mm -hmm. uh, thing gets figured out as far as with the the pharmaceutical companies, Mm -hmm. it it won't make sense financially for the NFL to To kick folks off opioids and then introduce these cannabinoids. Right. And I can understand, too, from the standpoint of there isn't a whole bunch of research on marijuana. It's 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 some, but it's not as much research as you have on these opioids. Right, like and I I got like I like they said that the prescription opioid is similar to heroin. Yeah, I said wow, that's why it's so important to take it as prescribed because, right. I mean, we all see what heroin as as the people in the hood say heroin heroin do yeah, heron. <laughs> <laughs> what heroin do to people. Yes, so we're not trying to see that happen at yeah. all, but. They said THC can affect your thinking, your memory, your balance, and your coordination. So yeah. I'm, but but I was laughing because they were like, "Yeah, you know, this wouldn't be a good idea to be, I guess, stoned," as they right. put it, uh-huh. um, during the game because of these things. Right. I'm like, "Well, who, who needs who, it during the game? Who do it during the game? During the game? I don't. Right. I think I need to be as heightened and apt as possible. Right. I, so why do I want to be? Yeah, I'm. I'm almost certain that 99.9999 percent of the players. <laughs> In the NFL, are not going to be smoking smoke out before the game. Before the game, right? I, now I, I, you got your your point zero 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 one percent. Who's probably going to say I can play? Right, play well today. High. I'd be good. I'm gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a rough night. Right. Me, yeah. No, please, right. y'all. No, no. So let us know who's really right. Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to check our Instagram and see. Who you're voting for? Ooh, this one's a good Opioids one. Opioids or cannabinoids? Yeah. Yeah, I know I'm really right, so just go ahead. And <laughs> so when we post this, no, no, but let us know, know, know your real thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, We'd like to know what you think about it because, like, you know, everybody has somebody in their family that's probably been affected by either one or both of these. Yes. And so just to... You know, and we, and even though we're talking about it from a sports perspective, this is a real life every day for yeah. people 
uh thing and so like we're not taking it lightly at all um the effect either one of them the effects that they could have on somebody because everybody doesn't have the fortitude or whatever it takes in order to be able to you know do any one either one of these things without it becoming a problem right so i mean we get it so we're not we're not taking it lightly y'all we just we just know yeah, it's some yeah. some some something needs to be done because yeah. we don't want to see people, uh, whether in the NFL or not, but we definitely don't want to see people um, struggling. Come at, at yeah, struggling know. and have and like just to hear your story kind of just yeah. touches me. Like, I mean, because I know you, right? So I'm like, right. wait, you yeah. like? Oh God, see that's scary. Yeah, because I know like you're. You know- I know your level of moral compass and integrity. Right. And so I'm like, oh my God, yeah. like that you could get there. Hey. It, right. Hey. It, it, it can be a struggle for anybody. Anybody. Yeah. And so um, anyone who can hear my voice, if you are struggling, yeah. please get help. Yeah. Those of you who can hear my voice who may have a family member who has to take opioids, or even if you don't even know about it, like check on your friends, check on your loved ones to make sure um, they aren't struggling with any type mm-hmm. of addiction. Yeah, that's um, real talk. That's, that's real talk. That's to, to cannabinoids and opioids. Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Real talk. But we're going to pay okay. some bills right quick. All right. So let's uh, let's take a pause for a second and we'll come back. All right. All right, so we're back. We got a new topic. Yeah. Coach's role. Yeah. You got to tell the story of why we're doing this, though. All right. So so the story <laughs> of why we're doing this, uh, there was a picture that was sent to me uh, of Coach Vince Taylor <laughs> and Taco Fall, who uh, Coach Taylor coaches for University of Central Florida. Taco Fall is their starting center, who is 7'5". Jesus. Coach Taylor, I believe, is 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, <laughs> it doesn't matter. This boy is 7'5". Right. <laughs> Who cares? He, he tall, tall. <laughs> tall, tall. You, you is tall. <laughs> but no, so someone sent me a picture of him, and Taco had gotten choked up about senior hmm. night. And Coach Taylor was consoling him. He had given him a hug. And Taco was very shaken up. He was crying uncontrollably. Mm. And uh, I found out one of the reasons he was crying as well is because Taco is from Africa. Don't quote me on the country. (laughs) But this this night, his mom was there to see him play for the very first time. Oh, wow. On his senior night. Oh. So it was a very emotional game for him. And... Um, at the end of the game, in the tunnel, he was crying and Coach Taylor was consoling yeah. him. So that got us to thinking about yeah. what is the role of a coach? Because yeah. <laughs> I, in my experience, I've had some very, very good coaches. I have a few coaches who, a coach from high school and a coach from college, mm-hmm. who if I need anything at this age, if I need anything, <laughs> If something's going on, yeah, uh, I can reach out to them. Mm-hmm. We talk, if not every day, every few days. Um, so, I I've had some great coaches. Yeah. But where is what is a coach's role? Hmm. What boundaries should be in place? Mm-hmm. Should there be any boundaries? Mm. Hmm. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about coaches and? Oh, this is this is so tough. Yeah, because 
I've probably in my experiences in sports witnessed all types of coaches. Mm -hmm. The ones who, you know, they're just there to win. Right. So really not connecting with the players per se on a personal level, but you know, very good at what they do. They're very successful. They, you know what I mean? They make sure that, the, I mean, that the, the kids love them because they're winning. Right. So I've seen that, but I've also seen the coach who's pretty much darn near being a father to right. the athlete. Okay. Um, You know, picking them up, taking them home, feeding them. Sometimes they at their house. You know, right. that I've seen it all. Yeah. I've seen it all. And that's high school. That's college. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even right. in watching some professional coaches, you can tell. Right. You can, you can see. Yeah, you can yeah. see. They just, they're players' coaches. Right. And then there's the coach that's about the business right. of being a coach. Right. Um, I personally feel like there's this spectrum. There is. There's a spectrum. So I just mentioned like the kind ends of, the, polars, of the, the, end, the, yeah, the polar yeah. ends of it. And somewhere in between there mm-hmm. might be where I see most coaches falling because what happens is you got to go by player, by culture, by the culture of wherever you are. You got to go by the players that you have in front of you. Some of them just will touch your heart. Right. I mean, I'm not a, excuse me. I'm not a coach in the sense of, I don't coach a sport, Mm -hmm. but I'm a coach in the sense that I work with athletes. Um, I'm an academic coach for high school athletes. And so in my own personal role, I know that I, I mean, they call me mama. So I guess I'm on that spectrum end over there, you know, (laughs) but, um, I still, sometimes it's based on the kid. Right. Because some of them, they don't want you to be too, too personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some of them don't want you to be too personal. But as a as a person, I feel like as the coach. So as so to answer the question, as a coach's role, I'm going to continue to be who I am. Right. And I will respect a individual who does not necessarily have that desire to have that close relationship, but I'm available and open right. to any of them who want that. Okay. So that's Kind of, if I'm a coach, if I were a coach, if I'm having a conversation with a coach, if I was training coaches, this would be the conversation we would be having. Like, literally, be who you are. So, if you're naturally just that person who I'm just about the business of getting it done, and then every once in a while you recognize a kid who might need a little extra something from you, don't shut them out because that's uncomfortable for you. Right. Because for me, it's uncomfortable not to be. Right. Like that. So, right. but I have to respect that kid's uh, wishes to not be personal. Right. So I think there's this spectrum and you just have to figure out from kid to kid, which side where? you or where on there you would fall. So, but I love this story because he sounds like me. <laughs> 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 Listen, I don't know, nobody, I don't know how many people have actually seen our IG picture, the pictures on IG of the uh-huh. two of us, um, to see oh, yeah. that I'm, <laughs> I'm really only about 5'1", y'all. <laughs> <laughs> 
And every kid that I ever work with is six feet taller or over. And so I'm always holding the big men in my arms or, you know, the girls are basketball players and they they almost six feet tall too. So I'm like, oh, these babies, poor thing, you know. So um, I get it. I get it. I just got a heart. That's just a part of, I'm a nurturer. Right. And I think that that's what that is. That's a nurturing spirit Yeah. that that coach had. Coach just reached into himself and said, "This is if this was my son, right. what would I want somebody to do for him? Right. I think uh, I think all coaches, coaches should be relational. Like, all of these are relationships. Yeah, right? they should. And so I don't think that just in – I'm not saying that – so I'm thinking about I'm thinking about it from the aspect of of being at a job, mm-hmm. you know, because some people go to work, they do what they do, mm-hmm. and they mind their business, mm-hmm. right? But I think that building relationships, and not saying that you got to go to work and be best friends with everybody there, <laughs> Lord, please no. <laughs> building building relationships is a human thing, especially especially when you work on a team with someone. Yeah. Now, if you don't have to talk to the person yeah. and you have no contact with them, then that's fine. Um, but to, to bring it back to coaching, as a coach, these men that you are coaching, you all have a goal in mind. Mm-hmm. And in order to get to that goal, there has to be relationship, I think. And even even if we were to use someone like Bill Belichick, I knew it. I knew we would go. We, we I said we knew would it. Stay away from him. I knew it. I knew he but was going to come the, up. He's the largest example of what we would think. Yeah. We perceive the coach who's all about his business. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to some of those players, they say that the bill that you see on that podium yeah. isn't the bill that we see in practice. Okay. Right. And so he himself may have mastered the. This <laughs> is a job. Yeah. But I'm going to be relational when it calls for it. That's what I'm saying. Right. You, you have to. Right. You have to. And and I think <clears throat> I, so. Let me speak about um, my experiences. So because I have three, maybe four coaches who have been very instrumental um, in my development as a player, mm-hmm. but more so as a man. Right. So when I first got to, uh, to high school. Um, I had in three years I had three different coaches, three different wow. head coaches, and so Yuck. <laughs> um, the coach that I got, the coach that I got my junior year of high school, his name was uh, his name was Coach Jarrell. Coach Jarrell was the toughest guy <laughs> around. He walked around the locker room with a baseball. Oh, this is bat. Joe Clark. Uh-huh. Yes, Joe mm-hmm. Clark. Yeah, <laughs> he okay. walked around the 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 school with a baseball bat. And he was tough. He would get in your face. He would yell. He would. <laughs> but a minute or two later, he'd come walk up beside you and give you some words of encouragement. Yeah. And for the player that I, I'm, I'm a player big on relationships. Yeah. Like you can do all that yelling and stuff to me. I can take it and let it go in one ear and out the other. But I think it goes to that that quote. People don't know. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. Oh, I like that. And. Coach Jarrell, while he would yell with and he bat. would walk around yeah. with that bat and talk, you know, real crazy and reckless, he let you know that he cared about you. Yeah. So he was able to reach a lot of different 
you know, I guess in, in speaking how it was about Belichick and that whole idea, mm-hmm. it was business and it was, you yeah. know, he was taught to be this type of disciplinarian yeah. type of coach. He still showed you the, the area that he cared, you know. And so God rest his soul. Um, that was the first coach that kind of, you know, stuck out to me. Um, another high school coach that I had was, uh, man, I, his name's... <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this part out. No, gosh. <laughs> um, another high school coach I had um, was Rashard Gillespie. And he was like a big brother. He okay. would he would get on me when he needed to, but there was very much a relationship there. He, um, one thing, and, and I could share this, he probably, he probably doesn't care. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. But, um, I, I'll, I'll tell this story one day, but I ended up losing um all of my scholarships to all of the schools that I um, mm-hmm. had received offers from. He was going to pay my tuition for one year. Wow! At a postgraduate high school. Yeah. For me, just to prove to college coaches that I could play. Wow! Because I dislocated my shoulder in my senior mm-hmm. year, and I ended up losing all of my scholarships because of that. So shout out to him. Shout out to Rashad Gillespie. He's uh, right now he's a coach at St. John's High School. In Washington D.C. Okay, um, he's an offensive coordinator. Good for him. Good. I mean, but that's the stuff that, like I said, like that's what makes to me when you can, when you can determine, I guess, right. make that determination mm-hmm. on how to relate to each of your players. Right. That's essentially what makes you a good coach. Right. To me. Yeah, and Keith McKelvin who's the last coach, uh, he was my college, he got there my junior year, mm-hmm. or my sophomore year, excuse me. He was my college defensive line coach, which means I spent a lot more time with him. I talked to him probably, maybe not as much now, but I talk, I used to talk to him every single day. When I was in D.C., we would go out weekly. Um, we would talk on the phone often. Um, and he was the coach who gave me the quote, um, at some point, you got to show the world that you can do something else other than play football. That's right. Um, I love him. I, actually, I stole all his quotes. He, From he, him. <laughs> he, was, he was also the one. He was also the one who told me that uh, football is not not who you are; it's what you do. So, um, he he's been a, a, a awesome fixture in my life, and he was my coach. You know, he was able to. He was that coach that was able to get the most out of you without raising his voice, mm-hmm. without being all rah rah in your face, and um, I appreciated him for that, especially at the time that he had gotten to Howard and um, kind of took all of us who were on the defensive line under his wing and just showed us how to play the game of football. So that's awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. All right let's go to. Uh, huh. Let's yes, go let's to the go. madman. Oh, God. <laughs> the madman in Manhattan. Thin, the skinned man. Right. <laughs> James, James <clears throat> oh, my gosh. What is wrong with this guy? So, backstory, if you don't know, like, well, you might know the story from before, but right. recently he um, was essentially being heckled by a fan, and the fan was like, you need to sell the team, mm-hmm. telling him you need to sell the team. And this this <laughs> this dude actually had this fan kicked out. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? So now nobody can have an opinion. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why I call him thin skinned man. Oh yeah. Because every t- apparently this is a pattern you have that every time somebody says something and you hear it and you don't like it, you have them kicked out. Whoa. Uh, that just is a problem. Yes. You can't be in the position you're in. And had thin skin. skin. You can't. You're going to be criticized. And I think that, uh, I think that, uh, just looking at his track record, because he did it to Charles Oakley. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that when people saw that, they saw how upset Charles Oakley got. Yeah. And I think there was a, a, a subset of the population who was probably like, oh, well, maybe he should have gotten kicked out of it. Yeah, well, because, he, you know, he was battling right. with the. But no. But yeah, no. No. He he has very thin skin. And yeah. he, he needs to sell the team. It doesn't feel like his priority is basketball. And I understand as businessmen, as owners, you have your hand in a, a bunch, bunch of different of the, arenas. Because yeah, that's really, you just buy the team, but you're not really involved. Well, unless you're the other person on my list. <clears throat> Who's that? Jerry Jones. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Most owners are not really that involved in the day to day of what goes on with their teams like right. that. They, you know, um, and even if they are, it's like in a good way. Like I look at um, um, what's his name, uh, Steve Ballmer. Yeah, oh, I love Steve Ballmer. Like you know, you're involved, but you want right. to because you want to better things. Right. Like you're not trying to be a control freak. You just right. want to better things. Like this whole him and this whole Inglewood thing. Right. He's trying to make sure that they get their own arena and get away from having to be Play third on the, the list, right. basically, because yeah, you the got the Kings. the Kings, you got the the Lakers, you the got the, the Spark. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, never mind. We need right. our own space. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, um, but, yeah, this dude, he needs to get his life right. Yeah. He does. He needs to get his life. If, and if you if you don't have it in you, let it go. Yeah. Like real talk, this is not this is not the thing to do for the faint of heart. No, it's not. And it, I think he's just jumped Jerry Jones as the most annoying owner. I don't know yeah. that I can say that. I, so I, for I different think, reasons, though. No, it's, it's for different, different reasons. reasons. I don't it's know that I can reasons. say that. I think the one thing that you can't appreciate about Jerry, about Jerry Jones, if you could actually really try to find something to oh okay because i'm like what's that is that even though his methods are wrong <laughs> he wants his team to win and it just doesn't feel like that about james okay Lee. well then that makes him worse okay yeah all so right he, you he, win <laughs> okay let me throw in a uh oh lord a honorable mention. <clears throat> uh-huh. daniel snyder if you can hear my <laughs> this voice is personal y'all <laughs> i'm a redskins fan yes this is personal <laughs> this is personal y'all sell the redskins <laughs> We are tired of you. Oh. Now, initially, I understood where he was going when he said he didn't want to change the name of the team. I, I thought that if there are a group of people telling you that this name is offensive, you should probably just listen to them. But he brought a group of people who said that the name wasn't offensive. And, you know, okay, I get it. You know, this name is a brand. It makes money. I mean, it, it is, it's offending people. But yeah, it, it it you should probably change it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, okay. He just needs to sell the same now. And I, I'm sorry, I'm done. I, I'll leave. I'll leave him alone. Okay. You see me like I have nothing to say. I love Arthur Blank, so I'm good. I, see, now we could just. I'm I'm sorry. I have Arthur nothing Blank to say. Just sell. 
the Falcons. Oh, that's and not happening. That's not happening. We would, we would have something. That's not happening. We'd be cooking with grease. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. Leave our leave our author alone. Thank you very much. We appreciate you, Arthur Blank. Thank you, oh, sir. Man. Yes, we do love yes, Arthur Blank. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm not a Falcons fan. If anybody here is DC or nothing for me, but. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. All right. On to the real. Yeah. We got a good one for On to the Real today. Yeah. I really love this story. Okay. And this story is of um, the New York Jet, Brandon Copeland. Yeah. So Brandon Copeland is a current player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's already started his transition to life off of the field. Woohoo! Yay, right, Brandon. So yes. <laughs> he is teaching a Life 101 course at Wharton School of Business. Where he graduated from. Where he graduated from. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, uh, one of the things that, he said that no matter if you were a nurse, uh, a rocket scientist, an right. astrophysicist, this course. <laughs> of course, okay, sure. <laughs> this course is for you. <laughs> And there's something in this course that can help everyone. So yeah. that's awesome that he's decided to undertake this while still playing. Yeah. Um, and one of the interesting things that I, I read about him was that I think he only lives off of 10% of his salary. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> I mean, if that was my salary, then I, would, I could live off of 10%. Now. Uh, everyday Joe. Yeah, no, you can't. I, I would be living in poverty, right? If I lived off of ten percent of my salary, but yeah, him, yeah, 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 yeah. No, good for you. What do you? I mean, really, literally, if you're not trying, we had this conversation last, recently, right? You know, if you're not trying to feed Mama Joe and and Papa and right. and Little Pookie and uh-huh. everybody, they, they know. Then, yeah, then you might have some money left over yeah. to to set aside to do what you need to do. Right. But he had the benefit too. You got to think his dad played. Okay. His yeah. dad played. Yeah. So he had, well, his grandfather, I'm sorry, his grandfather played. Uh-huh. Grandfather played, um, his grandfather, Roy Hilton, played defensive end for the Colts. Okay. And so he gave him like advice on how, on how to not to go in here and yeah. blow. And then he also told him, take advantage of everything that's offered to you because he regret his grandfather regrets not going into broadcasting oh, when he retired. Wow, okay. And so he gave him that advice too. So it's mm-hmm. always that, you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. So this dude, his... Well, I think even if you were to replace Roy Hilton and insert Stephanie Wallace... Yeah. Or Jerry Burns, Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, I, and that and that th- that's the reason why I, I like I love talking about these stories because uh, onto the real, it really takes somebody to be in your life to be in your corner. That's right. Um, like a field to the real, to make right. sure that you're able to transition. Right. You know, um, smoothly. Smoothly. And yes. And it has to be somebody who doesn't want anything from you. Exactly. Um, and I and I think that's the the big thing about what you and I provide. Yeah. Uh, so it's a honest it's an honest desire to see the athlete be everything that they can be right like real talk so yeah i i absolutely um i see that and i just want to share that he said uh the biggest advice he can give is as an athlete you don't want mediocre results but as an investor or in finances sometimes you won't always hit it out of the park and you got to be okay with that Oh, that's a okay. That's a bar. 
<laughs> yeah. So I said that's and that's good for anybody. But I get what he was saying because it's so much more difficult mm-hmm. as a as a uh, athlete because you're always having to strive to be, you know, the best. That's right. And so to go into something else where you might hit or miss is tough and scary. And so I get what he's saying, but kudos to him for, one, being another forward thinker. Right. To be like, I know this ain't going to last forever, but you had your grandfather to see, to watch this. So you probably were even more motivated because you watched him probably not transition well since right. he didn't take the broadcasting situation. Right. So, but yeah, or so for all of you athletes out there who might be listening, mm-hmm. like take it seriously to really be figuring out who you are now. Yeah. If you're in your plan and you're professional, if you're in college, I don't care where you are. Like you need to be figuring out who you are and yeah. a feel to the real. We here. Yeah. We here to help. We here to help. Like real <laughs> talk. Real talk. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm All done. Right. <laughs> All right. So we got the uh, feel good final thought. Oh, my gosh. And when you shot me this yesterday. Oh, my I, gosh. You know, I, let me give you a short story. When I when you shot me this yesterday, I typed it in and I had started to look at it. But I had went and picked Jack up from school uh. and I had to get dinner ready. And yeah, all yeah. That. So when I was able to get back to it and actually read about this woman. Yeah. She is awesome. She's a warrior woman. Um, <laughs> Big tell time. us a little bit about her. Okay, her name is Minda Dentler. Minda Dentler. She is um, of Indian descent. Mm-hmm. I mean Indian, not Native American. Right. She is from India. She came here when she was three. She was adopted when she was three. But, however, mm-hmm. she contracted polio. Man. So she was, she was already struggling with things that are not typical of what we would, you know, see. She had polio before she left India. Yeah. Um, and it left her paralyzed from the waist down. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had a lot of surgeries, um, and they told her, you won't walk, you won't talk, you, I mean, you won't stand, you won't walk. Mm-hmm. And she defied those odds through her surgeries. She was able to stand and walk with knee braces and crutches. Mm-hmm. Um, so her dream was, I don't even, I wish I could talk to her because right. I would love to know how did you even figure out about the Iron Man? Right. But her dream, right. Yeah. Her dream was as a child to complete the Iron Man. And right. if you know what the Iron Man is, that's 2.4 miles of open water swimming, Ugh. 112 hand cycle and 26.2 miles of wheelchair race for someone in her situation because wow. she is she, right. disabled. Mm-hmm. So she um, said, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. So in 2012, she started. She went and tried one. Right. And figured out she was like eight eight hours behind or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I want you to – I want to stop because you – said something to me when I told you this that I did right. not know about this story. So I need you to explain that part first. So one of the reasons why she was so far behind is because she didn't start swimming until five months before this race. Crazy. Did y'all hear how long she had to swim? Five. Oh, what, what was the, uh, <laughs> 2. the 4 2. miles. 2.4 miles. For somebody who's never swam five months before this. Come on now. Yeah. And that was one of the, that was like the part where I was like, wow, like, 
this is some type of determination. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that uh, she was able to push through it. Yeah. Well, she quit the 2012. Right. Once she figured out, okay, I'm not, I'm way behind because there are right. times for these things. Yeah. So she was too far behind to catch up. But lo and behold, 27. Mm-hmm. It in Kona. I Kona, think it's in yeah. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Which they said is the toughest Iron Man you can do. Right. She became the first woman in 35 years to complete this course. Man. And I was just blown away. Like, oh, yeah. okay. All right, girl. <laughs> you get it all from me. Right. Yes. So, kudos to you, yeah, Minda. Minda, you are the woman. You are a shero. I just, yeah. You yeah, know, we 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 got to start talking to these people when we get to this point. Cause you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were surprised that Coach to, Mendez, to, yeah. that Coach Mendez actually uh, shot us a a, a DM. Yeah. Um, after recording that. Yeah. So Minda, if you ever hear this, yes. <laughs> yes. shoot us. We would love to talk to you. Absolutely. Shoot us a uh, uh, a DM. Yeah. Um, at some point, I'm probably gonna put your picture up on IG if you. Well, <laughs> Even if you do mind, just send us a message <laughs> <laughs> and tell us to take it down. No, but, yeah. Um, this is all about honoring you, and so we, yeah. uh, you know, we just uh, are proud, you know, of what you were uh, able to accomplish. Wow! Yes, amazing. Because it was awesome. After I actually got to sit and read the story, I was like, wow! Like yeah. this is awesome. And then now she's she's so focused on making sure that um, that people in third world countries. Right. Don't contract polio. Right. So that's like, you know, she's take like, I think she does TED Talks. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that she talked about was, like, it was the biggest blessing for her to be able to make sure that her daughter had a polio vaccine. Wow, yeah. Man. So, yeah, you, you, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. You, I just, yeah. <laughs> You had me real hyped with this right, one. Right. I'm like, okay, chick, you, you, you the woman. Yeah, right, like, right. yeah, I like this. A warrior. Yes, for real. Okay. But we are at the end of another, another episode. Yes. We thank you guys so, so much for listening. Yes. We thank you guys so much for, for participating. If there's anything that you want to say to us or a question you want to ask, or a please, topic you want or, us to cover. Or a topic you want us to cover. Please don't hesitate to email, email us at fieldtothereal at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at fieldtothereal. And you can hit us up on Instagram at fieldtothereal. Yep. We out. Peace. <laughs>